Welcome into another episode of the Capital Crossover Podcast. This is your host, Kyle J. Andrews, and I'm joined here by a special guest, you know, a person that we followed each other on Twitter for quite a t- while now, I want to say. Um, but, you know, I, I see you, you're out there in Sacramento doing your thing, covering a bunch of different things. You work with the with the SAC B, um, you know, we're both former McClatchy uh, reporters, so I also was at Center Daily Times, so it, it it's funny that now we, are, you know, both, you know, different different paths in life at this point. But uh, you know, it's great to have Cameron Salerno on here. I, I mean, I, I'm just grateful to to talk with you about the about your hometown Kings. Um, you've gotten to cover them a ton this season. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about them. I mean, obviously, last night was one of the biggest wins in Sacramento franchise history. I know people might say, well, why is a random first-round game, game one, win such an important game? Well, this has been a thing that's been 17 years in the making. The Kings almost left Sacramento twice. They almost left Anaheim. They almost left for Seattle. Their team was almost sold to multiple people. And the team was saved, and they stayed in Sacramento. Fans stayed loyal. They stayed patient. They still supported the team when they were horrible. And when I say horrible, I mean very, very bad. Uh, I don't know if you remember from last year, but there was a game, I think a few seasons or a few games in, where a fan puked on the court. And he was sitting courtside, obviously had too much to drink, puked on the court. And it's just like a, I don't know. It's just a metaphor for how bad the team was, and everyone kind of joked about it. But now the Kings look really good. They look like a team that can actually make a playoff run. I mean, the Warriors are a very tough matchup for them, just as far as the defending champs. They've been here a million times. The Kings haven't been here in 17 years. And so I think this is just a huge moment for Sacramento and everyone who grew up here, and anyone who's a Kings fan, anyone who's from Sacramento who likes sports, or anyone just, you know, who likes the underdog in general. I mean, the Kings are the underdogs. I know the Grizz- Warriors fans like to say they are the underdogs, which I understand. Like, they've been down a lot, and they've proved a lot of people wrong. But the Kings are the underdog in the series, despite them being the higher seed, just because they're playing a team that's won four championships in eight years. And that's a tough task for a team that has been in the playoffs in 17 years. And – one thing that I try to mention to people about Sacramento is that they have a very similar kind of trajectory to, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks. Like we, we remember the Bucks were in shambles years ago and everyone thought they were going to move. And then Pfizer form comes about and now, you know, one of the best places to play in the country. Um, and I feel like Sacramento has that same kind of energy Um I don't I don't know how how familiar you are with that rebuild of uh you know of course Giannis we, we Miran Fader we actually had her on a couple weeks ago about a, about two weeks two two to three months well actually it was about two months ago now mm-hmm. my time's passing by a little bit too yeah. fast but uh, love her know, book she, by the way I started oh, reading yeah. yeah it's she's, good she's awesome yeah she had a lot of things to to write about Giannis but you could just see kind of the change um from what the what the Bucks were into what they are now. And I think that's something that I see with the Kings as well. The Kings have that culture that I think, you know, it's you need that right coach. And I think Mike Brown is that guy. I mean, from your perspective, 
what have you seen from Mike Brown that just shows you that he's the right man for this job and he's given the Kings that extra boost that they needed to get to this point? Well, you really need a good person in your organization. It sounds so simple, but Mike Brown, just a genuine, a good dude. He cares about people. He cares about his players. He cares about the staff. He cares about us as reporters. Like he cares about just the whole organization as a whole. You need that. And, you know, not to say any other names, but I think everyone knows who the final two candidates were for the Kings coaching job this past summer. And, you know, there were some issues with the last candidate, I'll say it, Mark Jackson. And, you know, there are some reports about him with the Warriors as far as how the organization really wasn't a fan of him. He was kind of, you know, not a great person inside the organization. I mean, I don't want to speculate, but this is all reporting that was like leaked out right around the time. And so Mike Brown is the opposite of that. He is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He's passionate. He's charismatic. I think what was cool, too, is I'll take it back. I really haven't told this story, but uh, this was around end of November. And I forget what game it was, but it was it was oh, I think it was after the Pacers game. So this is like end of November. And it was pretty cool because I normally go to the away team press conference just because I know I can get quotes from the home team and I, I have to you know, get both sides because I'm an objective reporter. And so I went to the Pacers locker room, went to the Pacers media availability and went back to the Kings press conference room. And it's funny because Mike Brown was still there and he was with just talking up with Mark Spears and and Mike was with his girlfriend and and uh, they were just all talking. And I just wanted to like say what's up to him. And so anyways, like so they leave. And I just go up and talk to him because I hadn't really talked to him like one-on-one in a while. And we didn't talk for about, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes or so. And it's funny. He's one of the first people who found out I got a new job at 24-7 Sports. So I told him. And he was just so happy for me. And just he's just such a good guy. That just That's the person Mike Brown is. He's just such a good dude. And he just really cares. And so, you know, when you have a guy like that who is at the top of your organization, who is – leading that culture change and trying to change the culture and has experience in doing so. I mean, he's was a head coach of the Lakers. He was a head coach of the Cavs. So when you have someone who has that experience is really cool. And so I think it's, it's just been unbelievable the change he's made here in Sacramento. And I think it's going to be something that is going to be here for a very long time. And he's really unlocked the best in De'Aaron Fox. He he's unlocked the best in all of his players, but I think Fox specifically, because there was a lot of, you know, conversations around him, at least after the Tyrese Halliburton Sabonis trade. Did they trade the right person? Uh, did or is it smart to build around De'Aaron? And there's doubts, but there's also times where he showed a lot of promise. But I think his biggest thing was defense. I mean, everyone kind of knew the numbers were there. He was not a good defender. He really wasn't. And I think he's gotten a lot better this year. You saw it last night. He he did a Saw a job guarding Steph at some points where he wasn't the primary, he was the primary defender, but he's done all year. Like he's made plays on the defensive end, and obviously he's really stepped up his game. Like he's taking that step from star to superstar. And you know, you get that label in the playoffs and dropping 38 points in your first playoff game to outduel arguably the greatest point guard of all time is pretty special and definitely a right step. Yeah, I, I mean, De'Aaron Fox showed everything yesterday. I mean, one thing that that really impressed me was just the fact that, you know, 
Steph would go down the court, hit his shots. De'Aaron Fox goes right back at him, hits a couple shots of his own, you know, popping the mid-range all the time. I mean, it, it was it was almost unstoppable. It felt like De'Aaron Fox, because of his speed, um, you know, very similar to a point guard that, uh, you know, a team in Washington had a couple of years back um, in John Wall. And, you know, that mid-range shot that De'Aaron Fox, especially shooting it left-handed too, I mean, it's how do you stop that? Especially with the speed, it, it's impressive. And then the thing that really got me um, was uh, Malik Monk, his performance. I mean, Malik Monk, the things that he was he was able to accomplish um, in the playoffs uh, throughout the season, it seemed like he was the right fit for the Sacramento Kings, especially coming off the bench. Um, you know, spelling guys uh, right off the bench. I, I just really like that fit. Um, you guys have Kevin Herter too. When you think of uh, the Sacramento Kings, um, who is—I mean, he was outstanding to begin the season. Um, and it's a ton of players that just seemingly fit all together. Um, I don't—I still don't understand how the Kings finessed uh, the the Kevin Herter trade. That was—that made absolutely no sense to me. Um, yeah. I mean, zero cents. And then Sabonis, of course, a lot of people discussed why Tyrese Halliburton would get traded for Sabonis, but it's clear that Sabonis is a strong engine to this offense. Um, even when he can't get his own scoring, um, he he creates opportunities for others. And, you know, what, what's one thing to you that stands out with the way that Sabonis still continued to keep scrapping, even though he wasn't having a great shooting night last night. He, I tweeted this earlier, his shooting performance last time was his worst shooting performance of the season, like statistically, and his worst performance since January of last year. And I think it was part one, just he wasn't taking great shots. And also too, Looney played an outstanding defense on him. Like Looney's a very good defender. And the thing I really hate about like the whole narrative conversation, it's like, you know, like I think, I think every NBA fan is guilty of this as far as like, you know, like one district crediting Looney, like Looney's an amazing player. Like he's one of the best role players the Warriors have ever had. Like, and I don't like when I say role player, I just mean like, he just, he plays his role so well. Like he doesn't have to score 30 points or he doesn't have to grab 20 rebounds to make an impact. Like his box score isn't amazing, but he, plays great defense all the time and like you know on the flip side like you know there's kings fans like trying to discredit looney and i'm like what are you guys doing and then also another side like you know warriors fans like discrediting the kings it's like i mean it's it's common basketball talk but i mean i just would say like you know sabonis played probably his worst game of the season last night and the kings won and that's pretty incredible and, you know, like kind of just going back to Monk, like he's been the heartbeat of this team. I really believe that. Like he is the emotional leader. He goes, I mean, when he's on, like the Kings are on too. Like he's that spark plug off the bench that really can kind of get the team going. Obviously, you know, with him and him and De'Aaron have amazing chemistry. They went to Kentucky together. That's that's their best friend, their best friends. And so having Malik have that performance was huge. And I did think it was funny because on Twitter, like some Warriors friends, like, you know, Luke Monk had a career game and and, and they won. I don't think he's ever going to do that again. I'm like, go look at his box scores from the season. There was times where he 
casually dropped 25 points and had like 10 assists or dropped 30 points. And then obviously that Clippers game in February where he dropped 45 off the bench and Fox dropped 42 and they won by one in double overtime. Like he's been doing this stuff all season. And a lot of these Kings players have really been doing stuff all season that has been impressive, but I go back. I think there's a lot of problems like with the NBA, like how they promote teams because, you know, the same 10 teams are on the national television games every single week, which I get it. Like, I mean, like the NBA fan, the casual fans should be able to watch the Warriors or the Lakers or John Morant or Giannis, like whenever they please. But also at the same time, too, you can't look at from a marketing perspective and say, like, why are no like why does no one care about the Kings or other small market teams? But when you're not putting them on national TV, like the only way for an out-of-market fan to watch them was NBA League Pass. And, you know, not everyone can afford it or not everyone has access to it. Or you might live in Sacramento and you don't have cable and you have NBA TV or you have, uh, sorry, NBA League Pass and you're blacked out because, like, of the uh, market restrictions. So I just think, you know, from just a perspective, like, if you put more teams on national television – like it's going to help the league as a whole, especially if you want to market your stars. Like, I mean, I look at whoever gets Victor next season. I mean, they're going to have a few national TV games as they should, because Victor should be marketed by the NBA. But I look at last night and I mean, from like an honesty test, like I'm talking like just a casual NBA fan who will tune in to watch the playoffs, watch like maybe once or twice a week, like a random game. There's a lot of people last night who that was their first time watching the Kings all season. And it was funny. Like there was some warrior fans on Twitter. Who I saw like, you know, the Kings played their best game of the season. They still won. I'm like, I've been covering this team the entire year. That's probably a top five in a win. They're one of their worst performances of the season. They still found a way to win, but that's what they've been doing all season. So I think, you know, for the casual fan, like, you know, it's, I think it's, I think the NBA should do a better job marketing, but also to like, I don't blame how, the system works, but I, I just found it funny that a lot of people's first time watching the Kings was last night. Yeah. And you would think that when the Kings came to the East coast, more people would want to watch them. Right. I mean, I also feel like the way that a number of people talked about the Kings was kind of confusing. I mean, their number they're, they're they were the third seed in the West and, you know, and, and past years, third seed in the West is, you know, getting you all of the buzz. And every time a team like that would come to the East Coast, everyone shuts down to do everything to to watch said team. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't feel like they did a great job of marketing the Kings uh, stars that they have. I mean, of course, people on the East Coast know about Sabonis, but feels like De'Aaron Fox got forgotten about throughout the entire season. Um, and then you, you just think about, you know, more or less, a number of people for better or for worse didn't I, I guess like you see Harrison Barnes out there and I feel like that didn't get talked about enough that Harrison Barnes is playing against his old team that he won the championship with um and not to mention I, I also thought this was cool a little tidbit was that Mark Jones you know Kings play-by-play -play announcer is also doing a game on ESPN. So I feel like Kings fans had a little bit of familiarity there yeah. with the guy that already knew how to cover said team or how to call play-by-play -play for said team. And I, I feel like that is incredibly important to a national audience 
And clearly, I, I feel like he reeled a lot of people in on on the Kings. I I think that his his dearth of knowledge that he has um, with the even the role players. I mean, let's let's talk about Trey Lyles too. Oh, man. Trey, Trey Lyles, Lyles had a heck of a game yesterday. Um, just the fact that he showed up the way that he did in last night's performance. I mean, he he was outstanding. Um, and I it Trey Lyle seems like the guy that everywhere that he was before, he couldn't necessarily figure it out. What's the difference with the Kings that he's been able to figure it out? Is it is it Mike Brown or is it just in the the culture of the team has helped him a ton? So taking you back, I forget exactly when this was, but I remember it, this is when kind of Trey was getting in the rotation. Like he was playing consistent minutes with the Kings. Like he was playing every night and just someone asked Mike Brown about it. And, you know, they kind of joked about how, you know, on the scouting report, every single time he would get the ball, he would drive, he would never shoot. And so Mike told him to shoot the ball more like you're open. And so he started shooting a lot more. And like he, last night, I think he hit, I forget how many threes he hit. I think he hit like four or five off the top of my head. But that yeah, kind of changed. Four for yeah. six. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I think he shot six of eight from the field, if I remember right. Yep. Um, but, you know, kind of giving him that confidence and and obviously playing consistent minutes, I think, helps any NBA player kind of get that rhythm and that role. And, you know, Trey, like, has a set role in the team. Like, he is the stretch forward. Like, you don't have to do anything crazy. Shoot the ball when you're open. Drive when you need to. Go rebound. Like, he has been playing the small ball five sometimes when Sabonis comes out. And so having that set role for him, I think it's been huge. And obviously Mike has given him a lot of confidence. I believe he's a free agent this, uh, this summer. So I think the Kings would be foolish not to bring him back just because he is a great player, but he also is a good locker room guy for them. And so like, I think his ascendance has been also really huge for them. Like there's been multiple times this year where he had a game or he made a play that won them the game and so that was another thing, like Warriors fans on Twitter were, were talking about how, like, you know, Trey Lyles is never going to shoot like that again. Like, like they're, we're going to be fine. And I'm like, Trey Lyles has had multiple games where he hits three or four threes and just kind of like makes that silent impact that, you know, you need it. And the Kings don't win the game without Trey Lyles last night. Like, I'm very confident saying that. So him, Malik, De'Aaron, Harrison Barnes had made some plays. Uh, Herter obviously really struggled from three. I think he went over six. Keegan, I don't think hit a three. So the fact that Kevin Herter didn't hit a three, Keegan Murray didn't hit a three, and both those guys I think are top fifteen in the league in three pointers made is I think pretty encouraging. The Kings fans and Sabonis played his worst game in the season, and they still found a way to win. Like not the the same guy doesn't have to step up every single night for the Kings, and I think that's why they're so good. Like they're not ultra reliant on Fox they're not ultra reliant on Sabonis and so like I think the biggest key like I said is before the series is I think Sabonis and Fox are going to get theirs like as far as every night I mean Sabonis obviously struggled last night so that was like kind of an outlier but I'm saying I think it's the biggest key in this series that the Kings want to win is who is going to step up outside those guys and I mean obviously Malik had 32 points and I think Herter's going to have a bounce back game I think Keegan's going to have a bounce back game and so if they get those contributions from those guys and then obviously the normal, you know, outbursts from Fox and Sabonis, I think they're going to be fine. And you didn't even mention uh, 
you know, plus 10 Alex Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> plus it's funny. 10 in the, in, the, in a plus minus. He was, he was pretty good last night. Yeah, it's funny. So my dad doesn't watch a ton of basketball. Like, he's not a huge sports fan, but like he's obviously got into the Canes this year because of me, like, and I cover him. And I remember like this was maybe in November or December. Like he's like, why don't they play number 25 more? He's super tall. Like, because he, like, he obviously would watch the whole game and and there was a lot of games where the Kings would blow out teams and like they'd put all the, the subs in. And it was funny, like he's like, Yeah, that's my favorite player. And it's funny because 50 Cent also said an interview like in I think it was November, December, they asked who his favorite player was. He said Alex Lenz. So <laughs> that's what my dad has in common with 50 Cent. So um, but no, I Alex Lenz has been really good. I mean, he made a few impact plays. He had a block on Draymond, he had a, uh, a nice dunk. Like he has been very good for them. And that's a very surprising like revelation. Like if you would have told me two or three months ago that Alex Lynn would be playing playoff minutes, I'd be saying, all right, is Sabonis hurt? Is Trey Lyles hurt? Is any other big man hurt? Like is Keegan hurt? And he just playing himself in the rotation. But that's kind of how Mike Brown's been the whole year, which I think is kind of cool. Like he is not afraid to roll with the hot hand. And if you prove that you're playing well and you and you can hang, like he's gonna play you. And so that's kind of been Alex Lynn. Like he got an opportunity to play. He played well and he stayed in the rotation and he's still playing. So, I mean, if he struggles, he's probably going to get taken out of the rotation. They'll put another guy in. So Mike Brown's not afraid to make those adjustments, which I think is really cool. And I think that's kind of the, that was like the problem with past Kings teams is they would play the same rotation guys and they wouldn't give other guys a chance to, you know, be in the rotation, even if they were struggling, which, you know, like some players, like you just have to let them play out their slump, but also at the same time too, like, it gets to a point where it's detrimental to the team. So you have to make a change. So Mike Brown's on made afraid to make a change. And I think that's been really huge for them. And um, two Maryland guys, right? You got Kevin Herter and Alex Lynn, um, two, two players that people here on the East coast are pretty familiar with. Um, but just going to, you know, going back to Malik Monk, um, one thing that confused me about a lot of Warriors fans last night on Twitter where the whole like, oh Malik Malik Monk can't hit. He's not this great of a free throw shooter, and I'm like, yes, he is. I, mean, he's like, I want to say he's 91. percent Yeah, he's know. one of the best free throw shooters in the in the game right now. I mean, he yeah. If I'm not yep, he is at. Let's see, Malik Monk is at 88.9 percent from free oh, throw, wow. which is still outstanding. I mean, that's outstanding. And it's probably fact, top ten in the league. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's impressive. He's very impressive. I always like Malik Monk, especially um you know I know when the Lakers the Lakers a lot of Lakers fans were very upset when Malik Monk left. Um, and I just knew that with his talent that he's had, um, that playing with the Kings where he he plays with someone that he's familiar with, and you know number one in De'Aaron Fox I think that's huge you, you have a guy that you already know you have a you have a person that you work very well with in conjunction um I'll point up the quote they said last night because I think it's a really cool one but keep talking sorry oh yeah and um, oh, he, said, he said oh they just asked about like why did you team up with De'Aaron he said I want to change the culture with my homie <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was pretty pretty cool and no he's Malik's awesome. Like he's such a good guy. And like, he is, like I said, he's the heartbeat on the team. Like I tell people this and people kind of look at me a little funny, but I've been saying this since December. Malik Monk's probably the most important player in the Canes. Like he's not the best player, but he 
is the emotional leader. He's the heartbeat. Like when he comes in and he starts playing well off the bench, like kind of people, you know, they, it makes your head turn. Like Malik will come in and drop 10 points casually within two or three minutes. And, you know, he gets on these hot streaks and, and he can't be stopped. Like Malik takes some crazy shots. Like he'll pull up from three with 19 seconds left on the shot clock. And sometimes it's a really bad shot and sometimes he makes it. So um, I think it was funny because that first, it was the third game of the season where they played the Warriors in San Francisco. And it was like the first time Monk got really extended minutes. I think he had 19 points and it was like, okay, like, you know, maybe he can be that difference maker off the bench and really just kind of come on. And I mean, he's, like I said, he's the most important player on the team, I think, just because of how he gets the guys going. And also he is that emotional leader. He has that chemistry with De'Aaron. And so I, th- I think it's really important to have him. And and I th- he's the best Kings free agent sign since they signed Rajon Rondo in 2015 to a one-year deal. And you look at how the Kings were built and how they went from a 30-52 and 52 team to 48-1 team, a Pacific Division champion, third seed in the West. So it all starts at the trade deadline last year where they trade, obviously, Sabonis for – sorry, they trade for Sabonis for Tyrese Halliburton, but he healed. Then they trade Barvin Bagley for Trey Lyles. And then in the offseason, they sign Malik Monk. They trade for Kevin Herter. They draft Keegan Murray. And those additions really just kind of transformed the team. Yeah, I mean, this Kings team, totally different than in years past. And I, I feel like that's so fun for people, the people of Sacramento in the sense that, number one, you just don't – it's not – I feel like as a as a person that has watched losing basketball for quite some time now, not as long as Sacramento fans have watched losing basketball, but the Washington Wizards could take a number of ideas from the from the Sacramento Kings. Obviously, this is a Wizards podcast, but I look at the Kings and I'm like, years ago, the Wizards had their John Wall, Bradley Beal, you know, kind of two guard situation where they didn't split it up and figure it out um and some people said hey you should trade brad some people said you should trade john they kept those guys too long together and see where we are now so um i i think that the kings they made the right decision and not that i think i think that fox from the outside looking in it looked like fox and halliburton had a pretty decent relationship didn't seem like it got to the point of Bradley Beal and John Wall where they were, you know, going at each other's throats. They are still great friends. It's just that not all friends can play on the same team. Um, it, it was more like a brotherly rivalry than it was like a, uh, you know, this is my teammate. I I can coexist with this guy. And some guys just can't do that. I have a, I have a wizard story, by the way. I've been waiting to share this and I haven't. I thought about, let me preface this. I thought about tweeting this on the night this happened, but I didn't. And I feel like I can't really tweet about it now just because, I don't know, like I don't, I don't want to do it randomly, but it, it's very funny. It's the best interaction I've had with a player all the season. So the Wizards kicked the Kings' ass like when they played in Sacramento. They beat it by 30. It was on December 23rd. Complete bad showing by the Kings. And, you know... I, like I said, I always go in the way team locker room because I like to get other players' perspectives. And so I go in the Wizards locker room, right? And 
I saw this tweet from like someone I know, like it was, it was a cool stat about Kuzma and it was, I think Kuzma is like one of four players at the time to have, I don't want to like misquote the number. It was like 250 points, like a hundred rebounds, like 75 assists, like that number. And like the other guys were like Julius Randle, Giannis, and I think Jokic. Like, so it was a very like elite category. And it was funny because I showed him, I, I, I was like next to him in the locker room. I was like, hey, Kyle, like, did you see this? And I show it to him and he kind of looks at it for a second and he looks at me he's like damn he's like damn they want me to play in china last year and then he walks away and i just started laughing because i was like i i had to hold it together but i just thought it was very funny because he just like very unhinged and he said that and i i, I thought it was a pretty funny story but no, he, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's a funny dude and i just thought that was very uh very good interaction so yeah, Kyle's a funny guy. He's probably a top three interact, probably the best interaction of all had all year. The other one that comes to mind is I had like a extended combo with Anthony Edwards about like him beating hustle and how he said he wants to act after basketball potentially. And I just said, like, you did a good job. And I'm like, were you even acting? He's like, nah, that would just be me being me. And I, I love watching that play. Like he's so fun to watch. And like he's I I hope he's a future Sacramento King in you know the next few years. Cause I asked him like about like, like Sacramento. He said it's my favorite place to play, and so I was like, "Ah, oh, okay, that's interesting." So, yeah, he's he's a good dude. But yeah, that, that was a funny Kyle Kuzma interaction I've had this year, and he he's he's also a very funny guy. You know, I, I find it funny. A couple, I don't I don't know if you remember this, but um, well, you probably definitely do because it wasn't that long ago. But when Russell Westbrook got traded, um, a number of people actually wanted Kyle Kuzma to land in Sacramento. I, Kyle Kuzma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 2020 or 2021. Yeah. Yeah. The Wizards wanted to trade up. They thought about trading up and they didn't trade Kyle Kuzma to the Kings. And I mean, honestly, <laughs> no offense to Kyle Kuzma, but I, I think that would have hurt the I guess the quality of what the Kings are doing right now, because I don't, I don't necessarily think that Kyle Kuzma is a bad, he's not a bad player by any stretch of the matter. I just think that the way that the Kings do things is more or less that you need the Aaron Fox to be kind of that him and him and Sabonis to be those engines. Um, and I think Kyle's better as a player that has the ball in his hands. Um, and he's proven that with the wizards now, he gets a little tired because he's drained from, you know, trying to carry the load so much with him and Porzingis mostly. And Beal's been out with an injury for quite a long period of time throughout the season. Um, but that that fit would have been an interesting fit. I I still don't know what the Kings would have looked like. Would they have, I mean, I think they still would have made the playoffs, but would they be the same uh, Kings team with Kyle Kuzma instead of having Keegan Murray? For instance, I don't, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, Kuz is a good player. Like I, I thought he like was coming to Sacramento. Like when they had that framework, and then obviously the last second, the Lakers stepped in and offered, uh, offered a deal to get Russ, and the rest was history. I mean, Buddy Hill thought he was going to Lakers. Yeah, Buddy Hill thought he was going to Lakers, and that would have been a good move, I think, at the time for the team. But you know, I, I thought it was funny. He was live tweeting about the game last night, like. He tweeted about Fox because I think him him and De'Aaron are pretty close. Um, and then uh yeah, like he was tweeting about the crowd. And another Kuzma story is like, you know, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna obviously reveal who 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 told me about this, but um so Kyle Kuzma, like when we did the locker room scrum, like after the game, like he talked about how like he pretty much said without saying the Kings defense is trash. And I quote to like I quote him or whatever, you know, left at that. He said the Kings defense is bad. Uh I'll say this. The team saw what Kyle Kuzma said. I'll I'll put it that way. Like Mike Brown showed the team my tweet about what Kyle Kuzma said about the defense. So I think after that they kind of stepped up a little bit. But um yeah, no, it, it was a pretty uh funny interaction with with uh Kuzma. But yeah, it, he would have been fun as a king. I really do. Like I, I really like his game. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings try to go out from the summer. I don't know if he's gonna sign with the Kings, but it kind of does fit that skill set they need, like a, another wing. Yeah, and I think if Kyle Kuzma, the the other thing too about the Kings is that the Kings don't have a lot against the cap. That you know the Wizards and and this it, I, I think a young team like them. The good part is that their cap isn't obliterated, um, and I think that's the best part, uh, the best portion of you know building a strong team. That's what the Warriors did. We all remember when Steph was young and he had ankle injuries. Um, you know they read up on him. Um, Clay's there, and then Draymond fits a mold. Uh, I mean, they had Igudala. He comes in as a as a very you know wily veteran at the time, who's still a wily veteran. Um, hey, he almost signed with the Kings that the summer he signed with the Warriors. They like I think it was very very close to him being a King. Like I think it was him like the Kings of the Warriors, if if you remember right. I think he was. I want to say he was on the Sixers. Like, and then he obviously was going to sign with the Kings. And then at the last second, went to the Warriors and, you know, won a finals MVP. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, it's so impressive to see kind of the trajectory of different teams. Like the Warriors, this is how, you know, we saw the building blocks of what they could be. And it seems like with the Kings, we're seeing that that inch up you know the Warriors were bad for a long time all we all know that I mean you all especially know it on in in um, Sacramento and also in the Bay Area too um, is that the the Warriors were I mean we remember the Monte Ellis days and Monte Ellis was awesome when he was with the Warriors don't get us wrong there, like, there was a time where Warriors fans were pissed they traded Ellis Oh, like, yeah. It was, it was like, like he was good. Like he, he was, he was, that's a, it's funny. Like, man, that's a name I haven't heard in years, but like in, in a funny way. Cause I, like, you know, I love Monte Ellis. He was one of my favorite players when I was, yeah. when I was in high school. Loved yeah, Monte Ellis. Yeah. He was a Hooper for sure. No, I, I love that name, man. And then they obviously trade him. I think they trimmed the bucks. If I remember. Yeah. 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 And then they had, um, you remember Andrens Beandrens? Yeah. Oh yeah. Andres yeah, yeah, Beandrens. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, like, just the names. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I can name and, so many random 2010, early 2010 basketball players. It's, it's, it's a fun game for sure. Oh my goodness. Yes. That, that I think that was, those were like the prime years of my, like of me kind of coming of age when it came to basketball, it was like, okay, 20, 2011, 2010, you know, like all the, you know, we'll be making the making the songs about the Warriors and stuff. And then, you know, <laughs> that that was a time. <laughs> that was definitely a time. I was I was a senior in high school during that uh, you know, that that Warriors team that, 
you know, they had some, it was, it was bad. That was, I think that was the first year Mark Jackson was the coach, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, because yeah, I know they fired after the 2014 season, then obviously their first, yeah. uh, their first uh, season they won. Yeah. And, and they had, um, this is a, you know what I did not realize about the Warriors team back then? They had Kwame Brown. I didn't, I didn't even realize that's, that. That's, that's a, another, that's another name. Oh my goodness. And they had Dominic McGuire, former wizard too. But um, I do, I do remember David Lee. David Lee was awesome with them too um, for a while. And then he had his injury issues, but I just think about those building blocks that the Warriors had and, you know, a different, obviously very different team than, than the Kings, but it seems like the Kings have made their own way and are doing it in their own way of having these building blocks of, you know, getting to that point of being contenders. And, you know, what, what do you feel like the next step has to be for them to get to that point? Or is it still in the process? It's an incomplete right now because it's only game one of the playoffs that just happened yesterday. 126 to 123 Kings win Kings win. But what do you think they need to do to get to that next point where they're just like, this team is, I mean, or, or are they there? Or do you feel like I, they could be there? I hate to say it. Cause like, you know, like he has been super valuable Sacramento and team, but I think the next step is upgrade from Harrison Barnes. I really do like, and that's not shot Harrison. That's just saying like, they need someone who really, cause now that the team's going to have playoff experience and, you know, like they obviously have their building blocks with De'Aaron Fox and Demos Simonis. Like you look at their starting lineup, like, they're not going to move on or not going to upgrade from Keegan. They're not going to probably upgrade from Herder unless they get like some crazy guard. And really the only guy I think they can truly upgrade who's getting older is Harrison. And I think they have to make a choice like, you know, maybe this summer, because obviously Harrison is a free agent. Um, are you going to slide key into the three and make him a long-term three and go after a four? Or are you going to make key in your long-term four and go after a three? Because you can really flip go either way. I mean, they don't have to have they don't, I mean, they could sign a three or four, like a combo forward, or like and, and they would it work out. But I think that next step is like getting a three and D Wade. Like my dream player for the Kings, which is never gonna happen, but like I've been saying this for literally years, is Mikel Bridges. Like he would be absolutely perfect for them. Like he is the ideal fit for that team, just because like he's literally amazing. Like he his defense is incredible his three-point shooting's amazing good player he's young but obviously that's not going to happen but i sorry i think that next step is really upgrading that three spot yeah and like you said maybe maybe kuzma is that guy possibly but he's not a a three-point shooter though that's the only thing it's like i do like kuzma as a fit on that team only because kyle kuzma is another younger guy, but that mm-hmm. does have that playoff experience. I mean, it's very clear to me. I think his biggest thing is that he wants to be in a major market. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't see why, like, this is a, this is my biggest thing. Everyone always talks about DC is not being a big market. That's a lie. DC is a more a gigantic market. Um, And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, he just, I think he's posturing for the most, where he'll get the most money at and where he can win it. And I feel like 
if he could get the most money from the Wizards, he'll go to the Wizards. If he feels that he can win the best with the Kings, I could see him being in the Kings uniform next season. Um, and I feel like that would be great for him to be able to get that, uh, you know, that championship experience to to the Kings. If he could get it over there, that would be great for them. I agree. Um, but I I look at one thing that was just um, you know, very intriguing to me is that the Kings also they held they held the Warriors to eleven for thirty. I mean, yeah, it was eleven for thirty six from three. I mean, if you could do that to the Golden State Warriors, you have a chance to win. And that's the thing. They barely hung on by the skin of their teeth, only got a three-point win. But the fact that they held the Warriors to such a low three-point percentage, I mean, they were in the red from the three-point uh, from the three-point line. Um, I just sorry, I just checked. Sorry. I just checked the Clippers Sun score. The Clippers were up 30 to 18 in the first. The Clippers, wow. Yeah, I just I I, I was because I want to check, I want to look at the box score from yesterday because I am kind of curious now. I thought they took more threes, but I could be wrong. Uh, oh, they shot no, they shot sixteen of fifty from three. Oh, sixteen from oh my goodness. Yeah, I, <laughs> where I, am I, I getting this stat from? Like I, I had I pulled this up from NBA.com and it was completely off. Yeah, no, I, I was like I remember them someone tweeting about how they took fifty three, so I just want to make sure. Oh wow. Yeah, they took fifty threes and they made sixteen. And the Kings oh. shot 12 of 32, which, I mean, that's not great either, but. Well, come on, NBA.com. You got to do better than that. <laughs> I know, I know. So, I mean, the, the other, I will say this too, the Kings did out-rebound them. And, I mean, that's a hard, that's definitely a tough task to do against the Warriors, especially considering that, you know, we always talk about Draymond Green and Kevon Looney. Kevon Looney's a very tough rebounder. Um, yes. And, but, they, they, the fact that of the matter is that the, I mean, the Kings just, I feel like the Kings bullied them a little bit. Um, you know, Draymond posture a little bit. I mean, <laughs> we, we know how Draymond's going, going to bring it every game. But the one thing that I saw was that they didn't get rattled. They just didn't care. When Draymond was going and barking in people's faces, you know, everyone just turned their, their back to him and didn't let him get in their head. And I, I feel right. like that's that comes from familiarity. If you know know thy enemy, um, and the Kings clearly this is probably the enemy that the Kings know the most out of any team in the NBA. And I feel like that's a great opportunity for them just to be able to play this team in the playoffs. A team that I feel like many Sacramento fans will will say if they can beat the Warriors they can do anything because the Warriors have that championship pedigree. They are, they're going to come at them with everything that they got because they, they're vaunted rivals. Um, you know, they're not separated by that far. They're probably, I mean, out of, like you said before, outside of the, you know, Clippers and Lakers, I, I feel like that, that rivalry is just like, you know, very close. It's, right it's, an, hour and a half. it's an hour and a half or so, I would say. Yeah from SAC to San Francisco. And and it is like, I mean, I think it could become a rivalry. I mean, like, if the Kings and Warriors get good, like, it's it's huge for Northern California. It's huge for the California in general. It's huge for basketball. And so I think it'd be a really cool rivalry. But obviously, like, you know, in order for rivalry to be a rivalry, as they say, 
both sides have to win. And so this is an opportunity for the Kings to really kind of change the narrative about them as an organization, them as a team. If you beat the defending champs and probably the greatest dynasty of the 21st century, then you're doing something right. And I just, I, I really like the fact that both teams are, you know, getting to this point where it can't, like you said, it can be a rivalry. I would only hope the same for, you know, that, that certain team in a nation's capital, if they could get to that point with like, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers possibly, I don't know. I mean, one, one day maybe, but it's, they have no real rivalry, (laughs) not anymore. It's not, no, no team is going to actively say, oh yeah, the Washington Wizards, we're, we have a rivalry with them. Maybe yeah. back in the day with the, with the Cavs, maybe. Yeah. And it, it seemed to be getting that way in 2016 and 2017. Um, and, and even the Celtics at one point, but that those, those days are long behind us. Yeah. Now, in terms of the other games, um, you know, what, what outcome from yesterday just intrigued you the most? What was something that just stood out to you when it came to the other NBA games? I mean, we had the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks, wow. That was, I will say that's mine. Yeah, um, the Knicks was, came out firing on all cylinders. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know how much of the other games I watched yesterday just because I was so locked. I watched, I watched the Knicks Cavs game. I watched it before. Like I, that's, I was really impressed I did watch the Sixers game because it was like early and I was working, but I was really impressed with the Knicks. Like they look really good. Like we all watched it like before the Kings came and, you know, they looked very solid. All the Celtics, I mean, they blew out the Hawks too. That was, that was not surprising. Like I think, I think most of the Easter conference series are going to end in five or six games. All yep. the West games I could easily see going six or seven or all the series. Sorry. And I feel like this is good for the Eastern conference because, um, you know, just clear out, clear out all the fat. Get we're cutting the yeah. fat off the ends. Just let's go. Let's get all the way to the top because we know the Celtics. As of right now, the Celtics seem to be the scariest team. Um, and then in terms of, you know, just the fact that this, tonight you have all these Western Conference games. It, it was I feel like it's a cool slate. Like yesterday, you had most of the Eastern Conference games, and then tonight. Um, you know, the Western Conference games or today, most of the Western Conference games are going on. Um, Lakers won earlier. We we talked about that before the show. Um, that was unfortunate for the yeah. Grizzlies. They they took a gigantic injury with Ja Morant falling on his hand after Anthony Davis took a charge. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of debate on whether or not the charge rule should be changed just because you have a such a large guy taking a charge, but I feel like that's been part of the game for so long that it's, you know, I, I feel like that's reinventing the wheel. And yes, while it is a dangerous play and you'd much rather see guys go up, I feel like charge is a such an inherent part of the game, especially for players that might not be as athletic. Um, right. But it's just really right. unfortunate for John Morant though. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Like, it's it's a it's a devastating injury for them. And the point I'll add, too, is, like, whoever wins this series and whoever wins the Kings-Warriors series, it's going to be a great matchup regardless. I mean, Lakers-Warriors, Lakers-Kings, Grizzlies-Kings, Grizzlies-Warriors. Like, any of those matchups are really flipping good. Like, it's going to be a very good series. So, I, I'm excited. Like, this 
this isn't like a prison of the moment statement. This might be the best playoffs I've I've seen. Maybe I'm maybe I'm saying that just because the Kings are in it, but I'm seeing from I think anyone can win the West. I really do. Like if you told me in two months that team A won the West, I'd be like, oh, okay, I can see how they did it. Like I think there's like literally anybody I think in the field except like maybe two teams can win the West. I really do. Oh yeah, and the West is wide open. I mean, yeah. I I will argue that I mean I my last episode on the podcast I had um the Grizzlies making the at the finals, but I don't think that's happening anymore. Just because if Jaws banged up and you know you don't have depth at center right now, I think Steve Stephen Adams is out for the season. Brandon Clark's out for the season. Not a good situation for the Grizzlies right now. Um, and I think that changes everything for them because they don't have the depth that they would have had. And when Triple J had to play the way that he played, and then that's Jaron Jackson Jr. for the folks that don't know who Triple J is, he played yeah. an outstanding game today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just number one, if he doesn't get that win, I mean, he played the most, he was tied for the most uh, point, the most uh, minutes of the game tonight. Um, oh, wow with uh with Bain and as a as a forward um just not the not the greatest thing in the world you can't have him playing as many minutes like that and when they have the opportunity to kind of float Steven Adams in there with uh Brandon Clark and all those guys I feel like that makes them a significantly more you know dangerous team that you know this year they just don't have that right now they don't have the depth and that's going to be their biggest downfall. I also think that Taylor Jenkins, I don't know how many people feel about Taylor Jenkins as a head coach, uh, just because, you know, he's fairly on the younger side, but um, it just seems that, you know, with the Grizzlies, it's like, how do they lock in? How do they get over the hump? And some people have mentioned maybe finding a new head coach, but um, you know, as, as Wizards fans know that it's not always greener. The grass isn't always greener. Um, you know, they went from Randy Whitman to Scott Brooks. Randy Whitman was actually decent. Scott Brooks had the Wizards in the playoffs a couple of years. And then once John Wall got hurt, uh, wasn't the same after that. Um, and then Scott Brooks to uh, Wes Unsell Jr., who has, you know, for better or for worse, been an unmitigated disaster just because of, you know, poor decisions by, uh, I mean, I would say with Tommy Shepard, the GM has made pretty poor decisions with the roster. Um, and I, I just don't think it necessarily fits anybody's, um, you know, ideal <laughs> for a team. But when it, when it goes back to the Grizzlies, I look at them and I feel like, you know, their GM has done everything that they, that they've can, I mean, that they've could, to fix this roster. I mean, I think the injuries are unfortunate. That's always going to happen in, in sports, but I think Taylor Jenkins, does he, does he take that next step? Um, and I don't know how much you have gotten to watch the Grizzlies, but it's it as a, as an avid Grizzlies watcher myself um, from the outside looking in, what do you think about this team? And, what do you feel like is holding them back besides all the craziness that job Morant has, you know, I feel like that's a distraction beyond belief. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's funny, like from like a total, 
like outside perspective, I like Jake as a coach. Like, I think he's a good guy. Like, he's a good coach. He's young. But also, like, I not to be that guy, but like, I really think like everything that's going on outside of basketball like has been a distraction for them this year. Like, it's it's been hard for them to lock in. Like, when your best player and your leader and the guy who millions of people look up to is like wilding out on social media, like it, it's tough. Like, and and. I don't know, like, it's, if you look at as far as influential players, like, not, like, I'm saying best players, I'm saying, like, influential, like, on social media, the kids, like, Jaws in the top five, probably, I think, like, because, like, a lot of kids look up to him, and then, obviously, like, you know, like, there's just, it was, like, the worst day of the Grizzly season when they announced, so they, Clark was out for the year, Jaw was suspended, or, I think it was the same day, like, he, all the stuff came out about him, and there's like one other thing, but like I just think that is what is holding them back. Like, I mean, they have some characters on that team, like Dylan Brooks. Like Dylan Brooks is a character. And like I, I wonder what's gonna happen with him this offseason, if he's gonna leave, if he's gonna stay, if they're gonna resign him. But like when they're fully healthy, like Steven Adams is a beast, like he's really good. And also he compliments JJJ really well, too. Like, I mean, Jackson's like an elite rim protector and shot blocker, like Adams is an elite rebounder. And then so when you couple that with Bain, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and then Ja, who's like an explosive guard, like it, they have a really solid team. And so I don't know. I just think it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see how they what they do going forward. Obviously, are they gonna re-sign Brooks? And Adams is gonna get healthy eventually. Like, is Ja gonna really kind of get his act together? If all those things happen, like the Grizzlies have a good core, they have a good coach. So I think they're gonna be fine. Like, even if they lose in the first round this year, I think they'll bounce back. But I, I wouldn't be surprised also if they try to make like a big splash this summer and try to like, you know, go after and use their draft capital or try to make a trade. Uh I mean, any of those things would be really good for them, I think. Yeah. And I it's like that that's just a team that I feel like they have they have so much talent and they have so much potential, but who can unlock that potential? Is it is it a certain player? Um, and I, I think back to when Iguodala didn't stay with them, um, and how much that would have possibly changed the fabric of the team. And I know that he isn't he can't be everyone's babysitter, clearly. Um, right. that's a given. But I think that that influence in the locker room would have vastly helped the the you know I feel like it would have greatly helped the Grizzlies they could have used uh, Andre Iguodala in the locker room yeah no I 100% agree with that like he's a great vet like he's helped the Warriors a lot um I, I he would have been huge for them I think and then just in terms of you know some of the other games I mean we as fans of the game there's a there's a ton of people that have discussed ad nauseum who's the mvp this season and i have, I have mine i i'm pretty clear on that like i i, I have i have my mvp and we'll, we'll actually get to that soon but one of the candidates nicola Jokic, who I, I feel like a lot of people have selected i mean a lot of people have been like okay i don't know if i'm tired of Jokic being the mvp uh or if it's Giannis or if it's Joel Embiid, but um, Jokic is playing later tonight. And I think that, you know, the, the let, let's be completely clear. I think even if, even if Rudy Gobert plays, I think the Timberwolves are food. I, I truly do. I think that team is, um, you know, just as dysfunctional 
as I, I feel like the Grizzlies are singularly dysfunctional. They have characters on the team, but I, I feel like the dysfunction is coming from one person for the most part. And unfortunately, that's their best player. Whereas yeah. I feel like the Timberwolves, on the other hand, are thoroughly dysfunctional. Um, from that weird trade of Rudy to, to acquire Rudy Gobert, which I, you know, has not worked out for them. And I also thought it was a weird fit too. You bring two centers in and now you have a log jam, no space. And clearly if one of them is off the floor, the other one plays better. So right. it did not work out. Um, I feel like Anthony Edwards has not had the spacing that he needs to, because I feel like Anthony Edwards is a great slasher an outstanding oh, yeah. slasher. And when you don't give him that space, I feel like that hurts his game as well. Um, I do think Mike Conley was a really good pickup, but I, I just also, you know, when they traded D'Lo, it was just like, why, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, it felt, it felt very much like, you know, it didn't, it didn't really help them. I mean, I don't know how badly it hurt them, but it didn't seem to help them that much. And it right. was, it was just confusing. I mean, I, I think with the Nuggets though, the Nuggets have, one of the best teams to be able to, you know, overtake a number of teams in the playoffs uh, this season. And that's going to be really interesting to see what they can do. I really love the fact that they got KCP um, and he's been outstanding this season on defense and, you know, former wizard, but you also have, uh, yeah, I mean, outside of that i mean aaron gordon has been outstanding on defense he's really showing up gordon yeah he's he's great right now and you've got to be excited if you're a nuggets fan to see aaron gordon step up the way that he's stepped up um you know we we talk quite a bit about jamal murray and the injuries that he suffered and you know the kind of um you know cyclical nature of him being in and out of the lineup but when Jamal Murray's on, he's on. Um, I I also like the fact that, you know, you have other players in there. Just, I mean, Reggie Jackson is there now. Um, DeAndre Jordan, weirdly enough, is is still kicking around in the league. Um, yeah. Michael Porter Jr., of course, uh, very highly talented. Um, I guess he's the head case on the team, to say the least. But I think he does not pass a rock. Yes. <laughs> he does not pass the rock at all. I mean, at all. <laughs> He's just going to drive or shoot it. And, and, I mean, this is a this is an interesting team. I mean, Ish Smith's on, still on the team. Can everybody believe that? Like, That's weird. That's I mean, this is like, this is such a weird Nuggets team, but they work. I don't know how, but they work. And it's, it's so fun to try to figure it all out with them, but you know, I still think that there are some flaws and I feel like, you know, they they don't get hurt too badly on those flaws just because I feel like they have so many other guys that can come pick that up. Um, but what do you think about this Nuggets team and what they can do in the playoffs? I'm torn, man. Like, I, I thought coming into the year, like, I thought they'd be really good. Like, they have a good roster. Like, if they're healthy, like, they're good enough to win the West. 
But now, like, they might have to get matched against the Suns in the second round, which I think is – I. so my finals prediction before the playoffs started was Suns-Celtics. Like, I think those are the two best teams in each conference, respectively. Like, But also, like, I think a Nuggets-Sun – like, the Western Conference playoffs is going to be so good in the second round, regardless of who wins. Like, I mean, you might have a, a Clippers-Nuggets, or you might have a Suns-Nuggets, then you might have a Lakers-Kings or a Lakers-Grizzly – or not – no, sorry, yeah. I, whatever uh you know what i mean like the playoff matches would be so good but like this nuggets team like i mean i don't think Jokic is the mvp this year like i think there is like someone of voter fatigue with him like he really has stepped up he averages triple double this year and that's crazy but i mean my mvp is mb like i think he deserves it like i think he's played good enough like the sixers are very good this year and so, like, I think the Nuggets could easily win the West. Like, but I also think they have a tough matchup in the Suns. Potentially, that would be their hardest matchup of the playoffs in the second round. And so, I I like the Nuggets team. Like, I like the roster. Like, I I like Jamal Murray, huge Jamal Murray guy. Jokic is Jokic. I mean, Aaron Gordon is take that next step. That's a Northern California native. But I'm just I don't know. Like, I can they beat the Suns? I guess we're gonna find out. But also, the Suns are. Not looking great so far against Clippers, which who knows how far that series is going to go. Yeah, I, I feel like if it, this is a thing. Maybe the Clippers are giving them everything that they can possibly throw at them right now. But I feel like without Paul George, that's tough, you know. And I and I really, I mean, they've actually the Clippers have actually played pretty well with Kawhi in the lineup versus, you know, Paul George being in a lineup without Kawhi. But at the same time, they're better together. They're outstanding together. When they, when those two are on the floor together, I feel like those two are two of the best two-way guys in the NBA. I agree. Um, but and it's funny. Oh, I was going to say, I've covered 42 NBA games this year. I'll cover tomorrow's Kings-Warriors uh, game. My first game I'm actually going to as a fan. I'm going next week. I'm going to Clippers, Suns, and L.A. And that's going to be a very I'm, – I'm so excited to see that matchup because, I've, I mean, I, I love watching KD play in person. Obviously, haven't seen Kawhi play in person because – actually, wait, yeah. No, Kawhi rested, so I haven't seen Kawhi play in person. And he's a fun guy to watch, literally fun guy. <laughs> he's a fun uh, guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited. It, it'll be fun. Like, it, 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 it'll also be fun to go to a game as a fan because it just – it's way different. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, got, I have two more questions for you, but first, who is your MVP? Yo, or, or Embiid. I, I, I think Embiid deserves it. He's had a really good year. He just, the Sixers have been really good this year too. Like he deserves it. Like, I think there is voter fatigue. Like I said, like Giannis won a back-to-back years. Jokic won a back-to-back years. I think it's time for, a new MVP. So Embiid would be my vote. That's fair enough. And um, who's your champion? Who's your Western Conference champion? Who's your Eastern Conference champion? Who's your NBA champion? Suns over Celtics and six. That's that's that was my prediction. I, I, that's, it's it's very spicy. I want to hear yours because I'm I I don't know. Like I think the Suns have the team to go all the way. I really do. Well, I had I had Celtics over Grizzlies. Um, Ooh. But okay. that Grizzlies, that's not happening. It's not happening. Um, so I'll go spicy. 
I'll go really spicy too. Since since the Grizzlies aren't looking too hot, I'll I'll make a make a change to that. I'll make an amendment. Um, this is the thing. You're gonna say Lakers, Celtics, aren't you? No, I'm not going to say Lakers. I don't I don't believe in the Lakers. I don't. I'm I'm very much so like a, a non-believer in the Lakers. I mean, I think this is the thing. I think Darvin Ham's a heck of a coach, and I feel like he gets unfair criticism from Lakers fans. Lakers fans unfairly criticize anyone. So I mean, be fair. And they, he unleashed Rui tonight. So you can't you can't complain too much on that end. Um, but Wow. <laughs> this is a tough one because I, I don't I don't believe in the Nuggets either. I, I don't believe in an I don't believe that the Nuggets can get over the hump just yet. And I think that if they get beat and I think they get beat in the second round. Truthfully, yeah, I, I think I the Nuggets get beat in the second round. But. Man, <laughs> that's a it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. I so if it, I don't think the Lakers. I don't think the Grizzlies. Not the Nuggets. Clearly not the Timberwolves. Um. So it it brings me to a few teams, and I don't think it'll be a rematch next year of last year's finals. I'll just say that because I don't even know if the Warriors make it out of the first round. So you're either gonna pick the Kings, the Clippers, or the Suns. That's what you're saying. So at the beginning of the season, I actually picked the Clippers to make the finals. Oh, you got to go but back. You know, what? you know what? I'll I'll bring that back. I'll run it back. I have the Clippers versus Celtics in the finals. Well, East Coast West Coast rivalry. Um, not the not the old school Lakers Celtics rivalry, but you know something a little bit new. I'll give it. I'll give the Clippers uh, the Western Conference Finals championship if they can. If they can hang on, <laughs> if they can hang on, um, but it'll be tough. I mean, if Kawhi plays the way that he's playing and they, you know, I mean, but we also know this is the thing with the Suns. The Suns are one of those teams that I'm like, maybe if it, if it doesn't happen this year, when is it going to happen? You yeah. know, because I think Chris Paul is almost done. I mean, we said that a couple of years back, but it's like, if it doesn't happen this year, when when is it? Because they need a point guard. <laughs> they need Chris Paul to be Chris Paul to win, and that's not sustainable when he's, you know, 30, <laughs> in his late 30s at this point. Um, that's just not what they need. I, and I think that, um, you know, the Clippers, if they can hang in there and they can keep banging their heads against the wall and, you know, ramming into these guys, um, I, I think that once Paul George is back, that makes them an even dangerous, more dangerous team. And I think that they do get to the finals, but, you know, I think they should be as careful as they possibly can with Paul George. Even though I just said that I don't know if the Clippers will make it, but I'm like, if they get past the Suns, you know, anything at that point can happen, right? That, that's my my biggest thing with them. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go Clippers, uh, Celtics, and I have the Celtics winning the finals. I just think that's a the Celtics are a better team um than anyone in the league right now. Despite the Bucks, I mean the Bucks are another team that I'm like, I really like 
what they have. But if Giannis is banged up, then what are the Bucks without Giannis? Right. Exactly. I agree. I agree. And um, you know, number one, thank you for jumping on the show. I, I definitely appreciate it. I'm glad we finally got to talk and have you on. I love love talking basketball all the time. And like I said, love the work you've done over the years. And it's just cool that like, you know, Twitter's brought us together and it's uh honored that you brought me on. And yeah, I love talking basketball. It's a good time always. Yeah, I gotta I gotta come out to Sacramento next year sometime. So. You got it, so, man. I'll show you yeah. around. Well, yeah, my my friend is from Davis. That's where she's from. But um, you know, so yeah, I'll I'll have to come out there, visit and um, you know, make make some uh make a point to get to a Kings game so I can see Got the it, beam. Man. I yeah. want to see you fight the beam. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. So I, I you definitely gotta come out next season for sure. Oh yeah. And um the cool part is that I will be in San Francisco this summer in June. Oh, nice. So I'm looking forward to being in California again. It's been a long time since I've been in California. About wow, it's been like 15 years. I was wow. I was a teenager, a young teenager at that when I was in California. So that's nuts. It'll be, it'll be cool. Never been to um never been to the Bay Area, so that'll be different. Um never been to Sacramento. So hopefully I can go back to California in the winter. Yeah, I mean, no, it's yeah. it's a cool place. Cool place. I mean, I I recommend it for sure. I'll show you around. I I got some good places. Oh yeah, that'll be awesome. Um, where can we find you? And then also, where can we find your work? We talked about all of the Kings coverage that you do, but you cover a ton, a ton, a ton of college athletics at twenty four seven. Like what what do you do specifically at twenty four seven sports? I- <laughs> I get the outside a lot and like I never have a real answer. I just write about whatever's going on around college football and basketball. Like it, one day it could be recruiting, one day it might be what a coach said. Like it, it's literally day by day. But yeah, you follow me on Twitter at Cameron One. Uh, you know, I that's where I do most of my work. And uh it's uh no, I love it's I love it. It's a cool dynamic. I love college sports and obviously I love covering the NBA too. So it's the best of both worlds for sure. And um do you think Sacramento State's going to make that jump to FBS sometime soon? I would say no, because they don't have the facilities yet. Mm-hmm. But I think one day, if they get some donors and they keep getting good athletics, then yeah, they they could. But I, I would say right now, in the near future, they won't. They won't be there. Uh, they're seven FCS. Yeah, I know. I know you covered a ton of Sac State when you were at the Sacramento B. Um, but that, yeah, that I, I think it's so cool to me that you know, a town or a city as big as Sacramento has, you know, a college football team that, you know, isn't, they might not be a FBS team, but they're a team that is very strong FCS program. So, and then also the other programs in the area too, UC Davis, like we, we just talked about Davis. I think that's cool that only 20 minutes separates them and they play, they're right there. Um, And you know what's your what's your Twitter handle for everyone at, so they can all know at Cameron Slurner one C A M E R O N S A L E R N L one. So I wish I could just do it Cameron Slurner, but I think someone random has that name, so I had to put the one. And you know I've I've stuck with it for two or three years, so that's how you can find me and uh, follow me on social media. Yeah, someone took Kyle J Andrews a long time ago, so that's devastating. I, I know the feeling, but um, yeah. Thank you again, Cameron. I appreciate you jumping on the podcast. 
always talking basketball. We're going to have to have you on again soon. Oh, absolutely. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this daily. And then, or and then, like, we could do like a weekly thing. When the Canes week. make the, when the Canes make the, or when the Canes advance and beat the Warriors, so I'll, I'll come on for sure. I Absolutely. That's Look, we, we'd love to have you on. We'd love to have you on again. Maybe we can all have everybody, <laughs> you know, uh, we got the entire podcast on because we have like three to four different people. We tried to rotate. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So that'd that would be, be great. Awesome. We could have like a round table, just shoot questions at you. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it, man, for sure. Well, thank you, everybody. This is Kyle J. Andrews. You can follow me at Kyle J. Andrews underscore on Twitter. You know, Capital Cross Pod on tw- on Twitter. So follow us on Twitter. Give us a give us a shout out. Um, you know, talk to us. We're trying to get some more basketball talk as a whole, just because. Number one, the Wizards stink. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to talk about fun stuff for once. Like, I that, I think that's the toughest part. But, um, you know, basketball is basketball. It's fun. Let's enjoy it. Let's talk about it as much as possible. So thank you, everybody. Um, Capital Crossover, follow us, like I said before, listen to this next show. And we'll probably have more than one episode this week. We'll probably do three to four because playoffs. They're exciting, and we'll we'll try to have as many great guests as we possibly can. This is Kyle J. Andrews signing off.